الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل هل يستوي الذين يعلمون والذين لا يعلمون انما يتذكر اولو الالباب صدق الله العظيم most respected students of deen mothers and sisters in the previous weeks we had been discussing the importance of ilm and what goes along with it what are the dictates of ilm and in the last discussion we also spoke about some of the obstacles in the path of gaining ilm the knowledge of deen that ilm which is a noor from allah tabarak wa taala and the major obstacle in this is sin guna disobedience of allah taala to the extent of the disobedience of allah taala a barrier comes in between a person and between the acquisition of ilm between that gaining of that noor which enlightens the heart this is something that we have to be very very conscious about that we don't be create any barriers for ourselves we don't cause this barrier to deprive us from gaining that noor and that light which will enlighten our deen and lighten our path to deen and enlighten our dunya as well In any case we also discussed that this aspect of deen is not restricted to one or two things it's very comprehensive it includes every part of our life our imaniyat our aqaid our ibadat our muamalat monetary dealings buying and selling dealing with somebody borrowing something our muasharat social life interacting with people our parents our brothers and sisters our neighbors our friends our colleagues our classmates all this is part of muasharat and deen has given us a complete code of life which includes guidance for all these things as well and together with that our akhlaq that our character that have we developed this in all this what we have come to learn is the details of deen we have come to learn the details of our aqaid the ibadat the muamalat muasharat and akhlaq all these things we have come to learn some details regarding it so that we can conduct our lives in the way that allah taala is pleased with and we can gain the success of dunya and akhirat this has to be in front of us Now many a times we have some important aspects in front of us that I need to learn the details of the masail of taharat of salah of zakat of hajj fasting and together with that about muamalat muasharat akhlaq we need to learn the details of it we need to make an effort to practice on it so alhamdulillah this is an excellent thing 
but over and above that, what we have to learn is, we have to learn to create the correct mindset. We have to create the heart of a mu'min in our hearts. Or you say it the other way around, we have to make our hearts the heart of a complete mu'min. One who has submitted to Allah Ta'ala entirely. One who has heart and soul accepted everything that Allah and His Rasul have given. In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala says, وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَةٍ إِذَا قَضَ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمْرًا أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُمُ الْخِيَرَةُ مِنْ أَمْرِهِمْ That when Allah and His Rasul have decided something, have declared something, then it does not behove of any believer, man or woman, that they now have any choice in that. They submit entirely to what Allah and His Rasul have given. Now this is an aspect of the mindset, this choice, one is outwardly that I say something, that I choose this and I don't choose that, or physically I adopt something and I don't adopt something else. But the choice actually starts off from within us. It starts off inside our heart and mind. Then we give expression to that with our tongue, that I like this and I don't like that, I prefer this, I don't prefer that. I will do this and I won't do that. And we then give expression to it physically also by doing something and not doing something else. But the root of it is in the heart. The root of it is in the heart. And what is required of us is that the heart becomes totally submissive and totally submits to the command of Allah and His Rasul And as we say heart and soul, to take and adopt whatever Allah and His Nabi have given us. Now this is an aspect of mindset. Now what is the difference? One is a person is practicing something and the other is the mindset. There's a world of difference between the two. And this is what we have to learn. To create this in our hearts. Just to understand this a little bit. We find that the Anbiya Ali wasalam, their main effort was to create the heart, the right mindset, to develop the heart, to create the heart, meaning create the qualities in the heart, so that the heart starts functioning on those lines, our thoughts, our mind starts functioning on the lines that the Anbiya Ali wasalam, have brought. For example, one is to teach a person that, look, share this with somebody. You're eating something now, share it with somebody else. So now if you encourage the person to share it, he might share it. Maybe he might be happy to share it, he might not be happy to share it, but he'll share it if he's encouraged. You'll give him some sawab, the reward, meaning the virtues, mention to him some of the virtues, and give him the great rewards that will be given on such an act of generosity. So that might encourage him further. So Alhamdulillah, that is a very great thing that he is sharing. But the Amiyya they didn't just encourage that practically a person should be generous. They made an effort that generosity must come inside the heart. Now when there's generosity in the heart, then a person doesn't have to be encouraged to do that action. Now the heart is king. 
And when there's generosity in the heart, then the person is driven to do it. For example, once Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, some guest came, so Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam inquired, first from all his, his own houses, is there anything to serve the guest? So first Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam started off with himself, all his own homes, every house, the response is coming, ma indana illal ma. The only thing we have is water. There is no food available in a single house of Rasulullah Now this is something that's a lesson for us. We are just discussing something on the side. One is the topic that we are busy with. Inshallah we will come to that now. But look at this. This is the condition of the household of who? Of Rasulullah wasallam, The most beloved of Allah Ta'ala. And he has several wives at that time. He is sending a person to ask in all the homes, not in one. Sometimes nowadays a person has several homes. Then maybe one is in the lap of luxury, the other one is in all a totally opposite condition. Because a person has more attachment one place than the other. This is not the case here. Every home is being treated 100% equally. And all of them are coming back with the same reply that all we have is water. Nothing to eat. And Hazrat Aisha Siddiqa ta'ala says that sometimes we would pass two months in, con- in succession, consecutively two months. And in those two months, we would not light a fire to cook anything. Because there was nothing available to cook. There was nothing to cook. So she's asked, then how did you all pass the days? Nothing to cook, meaning no food to cook, nothing available. She said, well, at Tamaru Alma, we ate the dates and we drank the water and we passed the day. And two months consecutively, there was nothing cooked in the house of Rasulullah Because nothing was available. Now what we learn from this, that this dunya is not a place to give our heart to, and some ups and downs do come up in the dunya, but if a person is focused to the hereafter, then a person takes this in his stride, in her stride. The human difficulty, the physical pain, the little pang, the pangs of hunger, all this any human being will feel. But the heart is king. And if the heart is attached to Allah Ta'ala, if the heart is attached to the akhirat, then a person is never overwhelmed by the conditions that surround one in this dunya. The human feelings every person has, every human being feels it. Allah's Nabi Wasallam felt hunger, he tied two stones to his belly to suppress the pangs of hunger. So he also felt it. He felt the headache and he said, Balwara asa. As Aisha said, my head is paining severely. Nabi Wasallam said, your head is paining, mine is even, I have even a more severe headache. I have a greater pain. He also felt the physical pain. But when the heart is attached to Allah Ta'ala, Aisha Ta'ala is very casually just passing this, uh, mentioning it, well, we spent those two months, we ate the kajur and water, time carried on, two months nothing was cooked, what's the big deal about it? What we learn from this is, we often become very, very overwhelmed with the conditions around us in terms of that I don't have the luxuries somebody else has, I don't have, Allah forbid, Allah forbid, 
sometimes we become depressed that we don't have the entertainment somebody else has. And nausbillah, sometimes that entertainment is even haram. And we are looking at that and we are saying that I don't have this and I don't have that and we are trying to now acquire what others have and we are becoming depressed over that. This is a severe situation. What we learn from this is to attach our hearts to Allah Ta'ala. Attach our hearts to the Akhirat. Adopt those a'mal that will attach our hearts to Allah Ta'ala. And attach our hearts to the Akhirat. And then we'll see the peace, see the serenity, see the tranquility that comes. The Ahlullah tell us this. And we look into their lives and we can see the peace in their lives. We can see the tranquility, the happiness in their lives. Despite the fact that they are sometimes in the greatest amount of physical difficulties. But because their hearts are attached to Allah Ta'ala, then all these physical difficulties, these hardships, these problems, everything else is surrounding them. But they are carrying on with life very, very smoothly, great amount of tranquility. And if they are crying, they are crying only to Allah Ta'ala. They are crying in the front of the musalla, on the musalla in front of Allah Ta'ala. And with the rest of the makhluk, it is Alhamdulillah, everything is fine. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. With the rest of the makhluk, they are very cheerful and happy. If there is a place that they are shedding tears, it's front of Allah Ta'ala alone. So this is the lesson that we are being taught here, that these kind of conditions, sometimes something of poverty, something of difficulty, financial difficulty, some other difficulty from people, the lack of sometimes any support of whatever sort, moral support and all these kind of things, we need to look beyond this. And what will help us to look beyond it is to attach our hearts to Allah Ta'ala. Fill our hearts with the noor that comes from the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. And then inshallah all these things will come, will be taken. We are human beings, we will feel the pain, we must keep making dua for afiyat. Don't ever ask for any difficulty. Always ask for afiyat. And when some difficulty comes, then turn to Allah Ta'ala. Ya Allah, you are the one who can remove any difficulty. You remove my difficulty for me. But to the extent our heart is attached to Allah Ta'ala, we'll be able to take all this in our stride and move ahead. So in any case, we were talking about this incident that has Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. Uh, that, that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sent somebody to all the homes, the same answer is coming from all the homes. So, then when nothing is in the homes of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he then asks that who will take this guest? Now one is to encourage somebody, give them a lot of targheeb at that moment, that look, whoever will take this guest, Allah Ta'ala will bless him with these rewards, etc., etc. But that was already taken care of. How? That Nabi Islam had already made an effort on the hearts of Sahaba Ikram, and their hearts were already generous. As a result, one Sahabi says, I will take him immediately. Now he probably is even aware what is at home. But in any case, he comes and he asks his wife that what is available. So she says, Well, there's just enough food to feed the children. He says, Well, you put the children off to sleep somehow, and this is the guest, we feed the guest. And inshallah we will pass our night. And then in order to make the guest comfortable, they plan it in such a way that the lamp is also extinguished while the guest is eating. So the guest does not even know that the guest is eating alone. He thinks that the host is also eating. Now what a deliberate, what an elaborate plan to feed the guest. Now this is something which is not just an act of generosity. It is the pouring of a heart of generosity. 
the heart was generous. So the heart is pouring out generosity now. One is to say to the person, look, we only had enough food for the uh, children. We're just taking our little bit there from there for you. And uh, we're going to have to eat something also. But we can't do more than this. Or one is now beforehand, don't even invite him now because we got nothing. Or at least check up first. But the heart was so generous that the occasion of generosity could not be allowed to let, to let go, to, be, to just pass by. Now the person cannot sit back. I got to give whatever I can. So now this elapsed, now to what extent they are going to keep even the act of generosity hidden. They don't even feel that we have done something great, we stayed hungry and fed you. They are concealing that also. And making the person feel comfortable, don't worry, we are with you, we are also eating. But it is darkness that is making the sounds of eating and making this person eat to his full. But Allah Ta'ala loved this so much that the ayat of the Qur'an Sharif came down, وَيُؤْثِرُونَ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ وَلَوْ كَانَ بِهِمْ خَصَاصَةً That these are these sahaba, and this is their quality, that they give preference over others, though they themselves are suffering poverty and starvation. But now where did all this come from? This came from that heart. This was something that had already seeped into every crevice of the heart. So when the occasion came, there was no targhib required. They make effort on the hearts. Nabi Wasallam made effort on the heart. And he created a heart of generosity. It is the battlefield. One sahabi is lying. And it is his perhaps the last moments that he can already perceive himself also. And here comes somebody offering him water. And he says, and just as he's about to take the water there's a groan that he hears alongside him. That somebody else is groaning and that person is groaning for water. He's in severe thirst. So now this generosity is in the heart. Every fiber of the heart is filled with generosity. So no targhib is required. And it is not that, well, I also need it desperately now. So I am excused now. If I had extra, if I wasn't desperate for it, then I would have given you also. But I am desperate for it now. No, he cannot bear to take that water while his brother needs it. Because his heart is so filled with generosity. It's not just the act of generosity that he does. His heart, every fiber of it. So he says, no, sorry, he gives the indication, you go take the water next door. When he comes, the person who is offering the water comes to this person next door. That person hears a third person groaning for water. He says, no, take the water to that person. When the water is offered to the third person, before it can be offered to him, he passes away. So now, the sahabi comes back to the second person. Before he reaches him, he passes away. When he comes to the first person, before he reaches him, he passes away. The generosity in the heart was such that they could give their lives, but they could not forego the opportunity of generosity. They could give their lives but they could not forego the opportunity of generosity. Now what we learn from this is, that one is the action, one is the act of generosity. Somebody has come, we shared something, maybe we didn't share too much, we hid the rest of it, we gave little bit. Like one person was a bit of a miserly person. So uh, he was sitting and eating. So he was eating figs, and 
something else, whatever. So as he was busy eating, one Qari Sahib happened to walk in. So he quickly took that figs, the person was eating, and he hid the figs away. And when he hid the figs away, so he thought that the Qari Sahib didn't see. You know, the Qari Sahib saw it, but he didn't say anything. He came, he sat down, met the person. So after a while, the person said, Qari Sahib, you know, you mashallah recite Qirat so beautifully, recite something for us. The Qari Sahib started. So he started reciting, Zaytun, wa Sinin, So now this person, he said, Qaisab, you made a mistake. The surah starts off, Wattin, where's the Wattin? Now Wattin means figs. So he asked, where's the Wattin? The Qaisab said, no, the Wattin, the teen is under the, the, the table, you, you hid it under. So this person had actually been caught out, but now his miserliness, he tried to hide the teen away, the figs away. So the Qaisab just made his Islam in a nice way. He told him, well, you hid the teen away. So that's why now I'm just starting off from Wazzaytun. It wasn't that he was greedy for his figs or he was hungry for his figs. But he, in a nice way, just made this person's Islam. One person was eating honey and bread. Now in some places, honey is always eaten with bread. They don't ever eat honey without bread. Now this was perhaps at that time in some place, this is how it was happening. One person was busy eating that honey with the bread and uh, as he was busy, suddenly some person walked in or he realized somebody is coming in. Now he didn't have time to hide everything. So he quickly took the bread and he hid the bread away. Put it under the table or desk or whatever. And he thought, well, if there's no bread, this person is not going to eat the honey. So in any case, the person walked in, the guest walked in, he sat down. So now just to make it look like now, you know, now the honey is here, I'm offering you. So he offered him to eat the honey. He thought that now there's no bread, so he's not going to eat the honey. Now this guest also was one better. He started eating the honey one, one after the other. He's taking uh, spoonfuls of the honey and he's eating it. Now this miserly person, obviously now he's seeing his honey going. And that guest too is not uh, really paying any attention that how much he's eating. So now somehow he needed to now make him stop. So he told the guest that, uh, you know, eating honey without bread, it creates heartburn. Eating honey without bread creates heartburn. So actually he's trying to tell him that don't eat it because just you eating without bread, it will give you heartburn. So the guest also was one better than the host. He said to him, yes, it does make the heartburn, but it's making your heartburn, not mine. Because he realized that this person hid the bread away. So he told him, yes, eating honey without bread makes the heart burn. But he's burning your heart. He's not burning my heart. So what the point was, we were talking about generosity. That one is the act of generosity. That somebody came, so we shared something, or we spared something, whatever the case is. But the other is that there's generosity in the heart. What we are learning from this is that one is the heart, one is the action. What is required is to make the heart. Then the actions will be spontaneous. The actions will be automatic. And this is what we have come to Madrasa to learn. To build the heart. To make the heart a heart which has all these sifat in it. That the heart has the sifat of parda in it. For example, we took generosity as an example. We are talking about making the heart... So now we need to have 
for example, the concept of parda in the heart. One is now, somebody has got the concept of parda in action. But it's not in the heart yet. Oh, it's partly in the heart. The entire concept of parda hasn't been digested in the heart. It hasn't been adopted in the heart totally. So now because the action of parda is there, so you'll find some expression of it. Now the person will wear the niqab, maybe going out of the house for some work. So they'll wear the niqab. But the consciousness of parda is not in the heart in entirety. So now, the person is not always first checking that will the law of parda be transgressed in some way if I do this, or I go there, or I emerge like this, or I'm standing at the window now, and there's no curtain at this window, and maybe there's nobody outside in the yard, but somebody could just pass on the road and they might just turn by chance, and they will see me. And I'm standing here without my parda, I'm inside my house, but I'm standing at the window. So, now the person who is conscious of parda, the parda is in the heart, then that person would be first and foremost concerned about that before I say, before I do something, before I step out anywhere, before I emerge anywhere, have I made sure that by chance also nobody would be able to see me and the aspect of parda will not be compromised in any way. Hazrat Fatima once gave an answer that made Nabi Wasallam extremely happy. Nabi Wasallam actually asked the Sahaba Ikram a question that what is the best thing for a woman? So they all remain quiet. And nobody said anything. Hazrat Ali came home and then he inquired from Hazrat Fatima that what is the best thing for a woman? Nabi Islam asked this question. So she said, what answer do you all give? Nobody gave any answer. What a simple question. And nobody gave any answer. The best thing for a woman is that she does not see any non-mahram and no non-mahram gets to see her. This is the best thing for a woman. Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Ali comes and he gives this answer again. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is thrilled about this. And he says, Fatima tu bad'atum minni. Aray, Fatima is a part of me. That is why she gave this answer. She is, after all, it is most likely that she is the one who will give this answer. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was so happy about this, so overjoyed with this answer. Now this is because there was parda in the heart. The heart was in one is the heart is in parda itself, but there was parda inside the heart. And that is why when she was now towards her last, and she's concerned now that I'm going to pass away, she's worried about that in my lifetime nobody saw me, after the laws of parda came in. After I pass away, they will not see me, but they will get to see the, my, the shape of my body will be visible to some extent. So how can that also be prevented? This gave her a great amount of concern. Until Hazrat Asma binti Umayyad she consoled her and said to her, don't worry. In the time when I was in Habasha, I noticed how they used to put a kind of structure over the janaza and drape some kind of reed. They used to make a kind of uh, structure and drape a cloth over it and the mayit would be totally concealed inside. And which is now common practice, we see it happening all the time, we take it for granted. A little elevated uh, structure over the janaza and on top of that is a cloth draped 
So a person can't make out at all about the person inside, the shape of the person, the height of the person or anything. And Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, after Nabi Islam passed away, she lived for six months. But she was very ill also. But more than anything was the grief of the passing away of Rasulullah She could not smile for anything. After Nabi Islam passed away, she did not smile for six months. Except on this one occasion. When Hazrat Asma radiallahu ta'ala anha brought that, made that structure and showed her, this is how it will be done. On that occasion she smiled. That Alhamdulillah. Nobody will even get to see the shape of my body. Now why this was the case? There was parda in the heart. Now when there was parda in the heart, then all this was spontaneous. All this was the concern. And if there is only the act of parda, that too, alhamdulillah, we will say alhamdulillah that to the extent it is being practiced, we have to appreciate it. Allah Ta'ala will inshallah reward that. But the issue is to create parda in the heart. And to now be forever concerned that what are the dictates of parda? The parda that Nabi Islam has taught, what Shariat has taught, what Allah Ta'ala requires of us. And now to be thinking in those lines and to be f- acting according to that, that will happen when the heart has gained parda. And this is what we have come to Madrasa to learn, not just to bring the actions alone, that is required. The actions are required. But over and above the actions, to build the heart, that now the heart has tawakkul in it. One is that we do some actions of tawakkul, but the heart itself has become mutawakkil. The heart has gained tawakkul within itself. One is that we adopt the aspect of uh, taqwa by means of refraining from certain actions that are impermissible, but the other is that taqwa comes deep down in the heart. Now a person is even refraining from those things which there is a doubt in it and which will take a person towards sin. So now when the heart has become muttaqi, at taqwa hahuna, Nabi Islam pointed to the heart and he said the real taqwa is inside here. qalbak. Now when the person has truly got taqwa in his heart, now he'll ask his heart the fatwa the heart will give the fatwa that don't do this and you can do this because now there's taqwa in the heart and if a person doesn't have taqwa in the heart he'll ask his heart the heart will say don't worry this time now go ahead or now you can't be so so severe now you're doing it so many other places now you don't adopt parda here now with your cousins and all that it's not a serious thing don't worry about it the heart will give that kind of fatwa then because it's not, the taqwa is not in the heart and the parda is not in the heart so now that kind of uh, fatwa will come from the heart. So when there's taqwa in the heart, Nabi Sallallahu pointed to the heart. Now this is what we've come to Madrasa to learn. To bring taqwa in the heart. That now the heart is guiding that what I should be doing, what I should not be doing. This is the requirement now. There's compassion in the heart. One is now on the outward, we did something, some act of compassion, but from inside we don't really have it. Or we forgave somebody for example. Something came, we forgave him. But inside the heart, we're still harboring it. Now we've come to Madrasa to learn to bring forgiveness inside the heart. That whatever happened now happened, we don't harbor anything in our heart. Our heart is clean, completely. And we are totally at ease. We are comfortable from within ourselves that we have forgiven something. Forget about it now. Nothing. We don't carry any baggage with it. We've come to Madrasa to learn how to make the heart forgiving. 
One is with the tongue, we'll say maaf, alhamdulillah, that too is good. And we will forgive from the heart in the sense that, uh, fine, somebody encouraged us, etc., etc. We said, okay, now fine. But we still got that in our heart. We still are walking along with it. Now, how to make the heart forgiving? That we've forgiven it. We are going ahead now. That is behind us. And the rewards Allah Ta'ala has already given us, inshallah. So now why do we carry this baggage along? The heart to become conscious of all this. So this is what we have come to Madrasa to learn. This is the effort that we have to make. This is the thing that is of primary importance. This is the focus. Not that we just restrict ourselves to trying to do some actions. That action is required. We have to do the actions. But over and above that, we try to develop and inculcate this in our hearts. Now how will this happen? How will we inculcate it in our hearts? Now this is the tartib, the sequence that we have to follow in terms of how to go about acquiring ilm. When we will acquire ilm with the adab, with the etiquettes, then that ilm will become the noor that will enter our hearts. And this noor enters the heart, then it will make the heart. And together with that, we take advice from the pious, from the Ahlullah, we take their guidance, and accordingly we act upon the guidance and the advice that they are giving. We keep giving the reality of the condition of our heart. That for example, now I, I do act on parda, but my heart has got something else in it. So now how do I rectify my heart? How do I bring parda in my heart? I do sometimes uh, refrain from wrong things, but my heart keeps taking me in a different direction, so often I'm cutting corners also. And sometimes I'm cutting right across as well. So how do I bring this taqwa in my heart? How do I bring this tawakkul in my heart? How do I bring this forgiveness in my heart? How can I just... How can I prevent it from just being something on the surface? By taking this advice. By acquiring ilm with the adab and taking this advice, then inshallah we will move gradually. Nothing happens overnight. Nothing happens in a moment. Slowly but surely inshallah we will develop our hearts. We will build our hearts. And the main thing that we mentioned earlier as a lesson on the side is that apart from the spiritual benefits... And apart from the benefits of the akhirat that we will get, and the everlasting jannat we will get, when we will start developing our heart, we will start getting the benefits in this dunya. Because happiness and grief is all in the heart. Happiness and grief is all in the heart. Otherwise, the person sitting in the lap of luxury, any person sitting in the lap of the luxury, would never have the slightest bit of grief, would never ever be depressed. Yet we find that many a person, so the luxury itself is not necessarily a means of happiness. But many a person we find is sitting in the lap of that luxury, but the person wants to take his own life. He's come to that end of it. He's come to that low point of grief and misery and pain and everything else. The person says, I can't take it anymore, I want to take my own life. Why? Because the heart is not made. The heart is immersed in all these things. So then there will only be misery. But if the heart is with Allah Ta'ala, the heart is attached to Allah Ta'ala, then even in the most challenging circumstances also, 
a person still has that support. Allah Ta'ala is his strongest support. And therefore he has peace. He has tranquility within. He's not overwhelmed. He feels the pain. He turns to Allah Ta'ala. He cries in front of Allah Ta'ala. And he carries on. And he knows life is temporary. All this will pass. So what our effort should be is that we try to make our hearts, our mindset. We turn the mindset away from the dunya. Presently the mindset is without the, for example, the degrees. If Now everybody else has gone to varsity and wherever else. I am here, so I am a lost case. These people have gone beyond me. And I, my life, I don't know whether I am going to be making any success of my life. So what has become the mindset? The mindset has become that without the degrees of the world, then I have failed. That is the mindset. Whereas the right mindset is that anything that involves the disobedience of Allah Ta'ala, now, nowadays, acquiring these degrees besides some very, yani, one or two exceptions maybe, very minor percentage of exceptions, the rest cannot manage to do the slightest bit of any further studies, circular studies, etc., without infringing the laws of deen, without trampling the laws of shariat. This is a very small, minor percentage that may be able to go past that, without doing anything against the laws of deen and shariat. Now, our mind tells us, come what may, we've got to do it. But that's what the world is talking about out there. Now, that's the mindset. Without this, everything is at a loss, there's a failure. The whole mindset is dunya. Now, we have come to Madrasa to make the mindset deen, to make the heart akhirat, to make the mindset the hereafter. So, this is the issue that we have. But if we don't even have this in our mind, that we have to create this mindset, then we will go through the motions with everything, but we've never made the intention also to create the correct mindset. We've never made the effort to create the correct mindset. Our effort was restricted to merely acquiring some actions and some knowledge about the actions. Then that's all we'll get. That too, alhamdulillah, if we do the right actions, that's very good. We stay away from the wrong actions, excellent. But if we didn't create the right mindset, we can just get waylaid anytime. We can just get carried away anytime. And our mind will just be swept away in the currents. But if the person has created the correct mindset, now the person will remain firm, will remain steadfast. The person will remain on the right path, will remain with the correct jazbat and feelings, will wholeheartedly accept whatever Allah and His Rasulullah have given, will be able to shun easily anything that inf- involves the disobedience of Allah Ta'ala. No matter what dunya it promises, no matter what luxuries it promises, no matter what kind of entertainment it promises, but the person is with Allah Ta'ala. So now the person doesn't have any company also, I am happy, I've got Allah Ta'ala. So everybody else is going to the fair, but I think that is very unfair. Because Allah Ta'ala will be displeased. And it will be unfair to my soul. So I'm not going to be unfair to my soul. Doesn't matter, I won't go to the fair. But I'll remain fair and just to the laws of Allah Ta'ala. Otherwise, that is very unfair. That I disregard the laws of Allah Ta'ala. I disregard the spirit of deen. Just in order to entertain myself. So, this is the mindset that will develop. 
that dunya is not the criteria. And in order to earn some coppers of the world, I'm not going to break the laws of Allah Ta'ala. I'm not going to go against the spirit of deen. So first and foremost is that we need to make the intention that I need to develop the correct mindset. I need to develop the right heart. I need to bring, for example, generosity inside my heart. I need to bring tawakkul and trust in Allah Ta'ala in my heart. I need to bring the love of the sunnah of Rasulullah in my heart. One is that I practice some sunnats, alhamdulillah, excellent, every sunnat we practice, there's tremendous nur in it. And this too is a great gift from Allah Ta'ala. But together with practicing the sunnats, I need to now go even further than that and bring the love of the sunnat in my heart. One is I'm just doing it because of the promise of reward. That too, alhamdulillah, summa alhamdulillah, carry on. But now to go even further, that for that love of that sunnah, that the sunnah is, has got that attraction in it for me. And when the love of the sunnah comes in the heart, then the inclination towards the fashions and all the styles and all the other things that distract us and which then start cutting corners with the sunnahs, all that will come out of our hearts and from our lives. Otherwise, we will practice on some sunnahs. But there comes a new fashion, we'll get washed away. We'll get carried away. Until when that dies off, now we'll say, now, okay, let's come back to the sunnah. Then something new will come up, we'll get washed away again. And then we'll just restrict ourselves to all the sweet sunnahs. Is it something, is the sunnah to eat something sweet first or afterwards? That will be the sweet sunnahs. That uh, whatever now uh, is what you call very uh, palatable to us, something that's very easy to us, then that, those are the sunnahs we'll practice on. But the rest of it will get washed away with the fashions of the West. So this is the aspect that now how can we bring the love of the sunnah in our hearts? How can we bring parda in our hearts? How can we bring respect and adab in our heart? That from our heart something has happened, it, but now from the heart there is respect. So outwardly there will be respect also and from the heart also will respect. Our parents, our elders, our teachers, anyone else. So this is the effort we have to make. So first and foremost, we have to make the intention for this. I need to acquire this. I need to do this. Together with the intention, we need to make the effort for it as well. The effort of it, that we now try to bring the adab of acquiring ilminas. The adab al-mutallimin, etiquettes for students. We read up that. We learn it from our teachers. And we try to practice on all the things that I mentioned there. And we also take the advice of our teachers, of our elders of how to develop this heart and develop the sifat in this heart so that it's not just restricted to the outside our very hearts become mu'min in every sense of the word may Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give me the tawfiq and give all of us a tawfiq wa akhir da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu Allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk anta kama athnita ala nafsik jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahlu ربنا غلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم وعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت العز الأكرم 
اللهم انا نسالك من خير ما سالك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم انت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوه الا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد واله واصحابه اجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين